All right, welcome to another Root Issues podcast. We are so excited to be here. My name is Chris, and I'm in the booth today with Lauren. Hi, guys. And Lexa. Hello. And Mr. Napping, having a good meal, Brave, is with us as well. Mr. Woodrow is out once again. This time, I think he's at a pastor's conference over in Montrose, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like in the uh, western, southern part of our state. Hey, Steve, do you actually listen to this when you're not here? Just text us the code word yellow if you do. Yellow. (laughs) Yellow is the code word. (laughs) I just want to know if he actually, like, listens. You know, sometimes I get a text like, hey, great job with root issues, you know, and I'm like, well, "Well, this is the test. Yeah, the test, the test. We'll see. Yeah. And we are still jumping through and moving through living in Christ with a heavenly places perspective as we dig into Paul's writing in the book of Ephesians. Today's title is Relational Wisdom for Relational Unity. And who, like raise your hand, not that we can see you, but who doesn't struggle sometimes in relationships Mm -hmm. and how to process them and how to, you know, mend them and not be offended. I mean, we live in a cancel culture and at some point in the message, Steve was like, it is illegal for a Christian, a follower of Christ to cancel anybody, Mm -hmm. believer or Mm non-believer. And so let's just jump in because we're going to be looking at Ephesians 4, 1 through 7, a very short context in this verse as we're just kind of crawling through Ephesians. And would either of y'all love to read that Ephesians 4, 1 through 7? I got it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Trying to get there on my phone. Well, it was ESV, so I was going to let you have it. Um, I'll put it in the ESV and the NIV in the notes. I know, but Lexa just loves the ESV. Mm. Right? No, you live in The Bible's actually in IV. My bad. Oh, okay. I will say that I live both, though. But take it away, Lord. I, therefore. <laughs> I, therefore. I, therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belong to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Awesome. Thanks for reading that. I mean, as we jump in, like, we're just going to kind of move through because there is a progression here, as Steve was kind of laying it out as he was teaching it. I mean, I've got so many, like, bullet points and notes and arrows all over my notes, like, oh, don't forget this, don't forget that. But the first point that Steve kind of hit us with was, do we, I'm going to put it in the phrase of a question, do we look at all of our relationships in light of our relationship with God? And so how does that transpire like in y'all's lives? Like, you know, we've been teaching on words and how do we speak to one another in middle school? And so this is kind of like paralleling with what we're teaching, but how do we get our relationship with God to influx and flow into our relationships with other people. I think that goes with like recognizing that our relationship with God is a model for how we want to do relationships with others. And it's a, you know, it's a high standard because God is God and we're humans, 
But at the same time, he's given us the Holy Spirit so that we can be able to, like this scripture says, walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling that we've received. So if God is only gracious and kind and gentle with me, even if he rebukes me or disciplines me, it's it's kind and it's gentle. You know, he's never angry. Then that is also how I need to treat other people. But it's like not compartmentalizing my relationship with God to like something that's internal in me and then going and having relationship, relationships with other people that don't make sense or yeah. don't play out the same way as my relationship with God. Okay, I mean, I, I get that. Like, you know, I look to how does God treat me to how I treat other people yeah. and such, but I'm just going to throw it right back at you. Go for it. Like, you know, we're playing, what is that game? Oh, pickleball. Never played it. You never played. When pickleball. are you playing pickleball? No, I've never pickleball. Played pickleball. No, no. You're gonna love it. Yeah, sure. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna pickleball it right back at you. Go for it. Okay, and say, what if the other person isn't treating us the way God treats us in our relationship with Him? Well, we don't always treat God the way that He treats us, do we? <laughs> so His love is unconditional for us. Okay. It doesn't really matter what we do or say. We're still image bearers. He still loves us. He's still going to encourage us. He's going to call us to a higher standard. And I think it's the same It's the same answer for me of like, mm-hmm. do I practice this perfectly? No. Would I like to? Yeah. But it's even if someone is not treating me the way that God is treating them, I still have a responsibility to love them as Jesus loves them. Okay. All right. Does that make it easy? No. No, no not no. at all. But when I realized that Jesus did it when he was fully man, yeah, like his love and kindness like didn't turn the Pharisees over to his side. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like his his gentleness and the way that he healed people didn't make everyone love him. But yeah. he still was doing that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. So maybe we could make the statement that when we look at relationships, I think everybody wants to apply this to our lives, that there's a cost, rewards, benefit. Mm-hmm. Like I do this, so I get that, a quid pro quo. But maybe when we look at our relationships, we need to look more to how does God treat us? How are we in relationship with God? What does God say about us? Gain our value from that and then be able to treat other people with that same kind of relational, you know, just peace and mm-hmm. calm and gentleness that mm-hmm. God treats us and not make it a quid pro quo. I give you something. So therefore you give me something because right. we're getting everything we need from God. Mm-hmm. That's a good point because I think people sometimes hesitate to, I mean, we were even talking about forgiveness to mm-hmm. forgive quickly or yeah. um, to treat with kindness, even when they're not being kind to me. They're like, well, what am I getting out of that? Yeah. That is such a good point that if we are receiving everything that we need from God, mm-hmm. then it actually doesn't matter how other people are treating us. Yep. But we are still called as believers to be little Christs, be image bearers, and do what God does as much as we can. Yeah, and that's like, I forget, but there's like different type. like there's an agape love, and yes. then there's like the different types of love. Phileo love. Yeah, phileo. And then like, but like we as believers, equipped by the Holy Spirit, are able to offer agape love, which we won't do it perfectly. Like Jesus is the only one who did, like Lexa said, but it's just like we can call on the Holy Spirit to do that. And like the agape love is like, I will love you even if you are awful, if you're screaming at me, like I will still show up for you whenever you ask because like that's what Jesus does. Like I think about all the time I've been like, 
No more. And then, like Jesus always yeah. shows up for like when yeah. I put up walls, like he always knocks them down. And yeah. it's just like, that's who he is. And that's like our model. And like, it's the, like, it can feel like a sacrifice, but it's also our greatest pleasure as believers to like show up mm. for people when no one else will. Mm. Yeah. And that's like the love of Christ. And then mm-hmm. as far as like looking at our relationships in the light of our relationship with God is it's like, I think it's so fun to ask God what he thinks about other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, when I started doing that, like I would look at, I would get up and pray over my calendar every day in college Yeah. and like the people I was going to meet with and ask God what these people needed to hear. Yeah. And I wouldn't always be like, God said this morning about yeah. you, but like <laughs> it would just help me to like even know what questions to ask or like yeah, totally. what, like who I'm meeting with. We're like, are they struggling with something? I don't know. Or do they just need encouragement? Do they just need somebody to listen? Do they need somebody to talk to? Yeah. And it's like God made them in his image and knows them better than anyone on mm-hmm. the world. So, like, why do we not ask God about the people we're struggling with? Yeah, totally. And, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, you made that statement of, like, you know, do they need encouragement? Well, everybody raise your hand if you need encouragement, not yeah. if you're listening while driving. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, everybody huh. needs that encouragement. And so I want to go back a little bit, you know, because we're jumping in there. But, you know, when you think about, like, how does God see you? how are you applying the gospel to your life in that sense? Because, I mean, I think so many of us, like, we grew up with a gospel message that said it's salvation. It's when I die, I go to heaven. And not, like, the cure-all and the the design by which we're supposed to live our lives daily in all of our interactions, in all of our circumstances with people. I mean, you can't go through a day without engaging people. Yeah. You know? That would be rare. It's very rare. I mean, you almost have to set that time aside and make it happen. And so when you think about it, it's like, do you apply the gospel to all aspects of your life? Mm -hmm. And what is God saying about you? This week at XGT, we're going to be looking at the gospel from John 3, 16 through 18 and just Mm -hmm. asking the students, like, how does this change the way you treat other people when you realize that God loved you? loves you this much mm-hmm. that he gave his only son for you. You have value. And so many yeah. times, many of us don't feel like we have value. Yeah. I think that goes to like, are we in the word mm-hmm. and renewing our minds, filling our minds with the truth mm-hmm. about God? Like when I read the Bible, I love to ask three questions. What does this say about God? Uh-huh. What does this say about me? And how can I obey? Yeah. And sometimes I throw in a fourth of who can I share it with? And yeah. that's called discovery Bible study. Like yeah. that's a that's a tried and true, awesome, awesome method yeah. for studying and really understanding the scriptures. But if I'm if I am in the word and I'm understanding mm-hmm. what is this saying about God, it it allows me to know his character and his nature and what he mm-hmm. values. Torchbearer's plug. But yeah. also it will allow me to understand what does he say about me and what does he think about me? And Bill Johnson has this quote. It's his one of his favorite one-liners. Yeah. But he says, I can't afford to have a thought in my mind about me that God doesn't have about me. Yeah. And so if I'm thinking something about myself, like I don't have value, mm-hmm. I am a failure, I, yep. and whatever it is. like yeah. I don't even, So many different things can right, fill in that but, gap. If I'm reading the word and I recognize, wait, God doesn't think that about me. He mm-hmm. values me so much that he did send his only son to die for me. Yeah. Then I need to believe what God is saying about me in the scriptures. And that is going to change 
how I view myself. And then when I realize that this Bible is not only written about me, it's about other people, it helps me to value them as well. Yeah. Yeah. I always turn to 1 John 4. Uh, Lauren's favorite book of the Bible. My favorite book, and this is my favorite chapter in the Bible. Uh, Second favorite. But it says, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the, the love God has for us. God is love, and whoever lives in love, whoever lives in love, lives in God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day and judgment. In the world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. Mm-hmm. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Mm-hmm. And so it's like I think when we like in relational wisdom, and like when yeah. we don't want to like extend this grace to someone, yeah. like we're we're living in fear. Like we're like, God doesn't love us. Like we don't have enough. Yeah. But when we are made complete in the gospel mm-hmm. and understand what the gospel did for us, then we have the perfect love and we can extend it to all. Yeah. And I mean, when you think about it, it's like, you know, just in that statement, you know, when we talk about the gospel and we apply it to ourselves and then we live in that, then it kind of moves us to Steve's next point, which says approach every relationship in the power and leading of the Holy spirit. I think that's what Lauren was giving an example Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so when we live in that, and so, you know, if you're like at that entry level gospel understanding of you have salvation, well, then, you know, it's kind of like leveling up saying, okay, I have a guide, I have a friendship, I have a counselor, I have a giver, and it's the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus lived out his life through the Holy Spirit. And so when we look at that, like if you look at that first John verse, it's saying like, you know, we are of God, we are in God, God is in us. That is our identity. And anytime we seek to operate only out of our own self, not thinking of others and not depending on the Holy Spirit to fill us with more of the gospel so that we can pass that on in our relationships, we're falling short and we're living in a handicapped. Mm -hmm. Now, Steve was talking about in this, like, you know, without unity, (laughs) we give fuel to the enemy to continue his chaos in the body of Christ and our lives. And so when we look at this, like, the Holy Spirit seeks to bring us into unity. First with who? Yeah. God. Everyone. Yeah, everybody all at the same time. You know, the Holy Spirit seeks to bring us into unity with God so that we're living at peace with God. Because we're filling his spirit, fill us, and we have peace, and we have joy, we have love, we have all those fruit of the spirits. And when we don't live in that unity with God— we're giving enemy ammo. Mm-hmm. And then there's chaos. Yeah. So here's a question for you. How many of y'all are living in relational chaos? You know, because when you think about it, like you got to just do a timeout. Like, oh, my goodness, I, I've never thought about it that way, but it's relational chaos. Like, right. I don't know how to approach this person. I don't know what to say to this person. I'm just feeling angst every time I hear that person's name. That's relational chaos. And that is the enemy at work in your life. Yeah. And so bringing in the gospel and then asking, as Lauren said, how can I encourage them? What do they need to hear? God, let me connect with you so that I might connect with them. Yeah. I had to like stop telling people I do this, but when I used to be really mad at somebody, I would uh, sit down and ask God to tell me all the things he loves about them. Mm -hmm. And then like sometimes I'd give it to them. 
like yeah but like after i wasn't angry with them anymore yeah. but i had like stopped telling people because then sometimes i'd give like one of my friends like an encouragement they'd be like were you mad at, were you oh, mad no. at me and i'm like no 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 i just no. felt like encouraging you today yeah 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 like yeah. i just like, no i didn't key your car can you imagine? Uh, and so it's just like, I've had to stop. But like that literally like mm-hmm. was like my way that God taught me how to like release anger towards people because I was like, I'd do my own method of forgiveness and then I'd be like, okay, like I need to fill where these negative thoughts yeah. were with the truth of God over their life yeah. and like mm-hmm. declare that over them mm-hmm. um, because words have power. And so then I would do it. And then yeah. I would like love that person so much and I move on from life. Well, yeah, no, totally. And I'm going to speak into like parents, like, you know, with children because, you know, no two children are the same, even if they're twins and such. And so like with Thank one you. of them, yeah. One, yeah, with Thanks for one. noticing that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. sitting with two twins. Yeah, yeah I know. And they're, they're not, you know, nobody, they're all uniquely made. And so one of my children, you know, my wife and I both firmly believe like, wow, that child is really just listening to the lies of the enemy. And so I was like, all right, all right, I'm going to battle. I'm getting my armor out. I got my journal out. I got my Bible out. I got yes. my God's promises out. I'm like, all right, God, give me a list of all the lies that child believes from the enemy. And then God said, time out. How about we start with all the lies you believe wow. about that child? Ooh, that sounds like the father. <laughs> yeah. And so then, you know, it went through like almost a four-page list of, you know, the times maybe that child said I'm a bad father or maybe that child, you know, accused me of liking another child because I have four, you know, better than that one. And it was just this incredible experience with God of like, I need to get relationally correct in my vision of that child before I can assist that child out of the chaos that maybe they're living in. And it made all the difference in the world because I was able to identify hurts and things that I hadn't forgiven, which, you know, sometimes would well up when that child was upset, like, blah, 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 you know, and you're just like, fine, you know, to where it was like, no, I've got lies that I believe. And so I think you can apply that with anybody that maybe you're having some disagreements with and relational struggles is what are the lies that you're believing about that person and are you getting your truth from the gospel message that god loves them as much as he loves you his son paid the same price and has come to restore unity into all of its people yeah i feel like just even like what i'm picturing in my mind is like i'm picturing you doing this journaling activity with god and i'm picturing this like cloud that's been over your eyes and i just feel like with each lie that you wrote down that you were believing or experiencing like that kind of was going away that cloudiness was disappearing and so i just think it speaks to when we get right with god and how we're viewing others it clears our vision to actually see them the way that he does because we can still ask but it would be it would be cloudy or blurry Um, so that's so kind of God to like get that out of the way, out of the way, so that you can see your child mm-hmm. the way that God sees them, yeah. and it and it allows you to be more effective as yeah. a parent or totally. as a friend or yeah. as a spouse, like whatever it is. I think it allows us to be more effective. Like, but no, we have absolutely. no hindrances anymore. Yeah. You know, there's this like crazy statistic that I learned in school, but it's like for every like discouragement or negative thing you say yeah. to your child, I think it's like you have to build them back up like with three or four positives. Yeah. It's like on average, a child needs like five encouragements a day yeah. to like change behavior. Cause it's like, I mean, we're all children of God. So yeah. like looking through that lens of like the father and the children of God, like you need probably around five encouragements mm-hmm. 
a day or like yeah. from wow. God or from others. Wow. Yeah. And like that changes behavior and changes your yeah. heart. But right. it's like how many of us are getting that many though? Like that just, I mean, like, are, are we being intentional? You know, like, cause God yeah. will always speak. Like yeah. he loves to speak to you. So it's like, if you're not getting that, this is a great time to set a clock on your phone and be like five times a day. God, yeah. what do you say about me? Like yeah. on your lunch break, on your way to work, just like start practicing that and then you'll get it. And then like, you'll live in overflow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm my biggest fan. You are. You know, like, you're your biggest fan. I'm my biggest fan. I mean, God's He's a your fan biggest of me, fan. but you know, in this you can be temporal next, life, like, like I'm, I'm number two. I'm like a big fan of Elaine me. is number three. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Like, yeah. On a good day. <laughs> <laughs> on a good day. You know, because I can be a butt sometimes, you know. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, like, you know, like, I've, you know, we, we're trying to teach our middle school kids to speak life over themselves. Mm-hmm. And where do they go to find that life to speak over themselves? They ask God, what do you say about me? Yeah. You know, and then they repeat that over themselves. Like, this is what God says about me. And so, and that all comes through this relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so you got to take the gospel further than just salvation. Salvation is you are in a right relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And so why would you not maximize that relationship for everything that you can understand it to be? I mean, it's like Jesus knew he was the son of God. And so he didn't just walk around and wait till he was crucified on the cross and then rise again. That was the main mission. But he still used his influence and his knowledge of his father to heal, to mm-hmm. take away hurt, to bring damage to the enemy yeah, and reverse what he had done in chaos in people's lives so that people might see this is life with God. Mm. I mean, it's like John 10, 10, thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life to the full. So yeah. kind of quoted on that with the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. And then this life to the full is this life in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Right. So let, let's let's review. Okay. You've got life with God, relationship with God, which then will lead to life with the Holy Spirit. Get those two kind of pittering on the same track and frame. And then we move into this third point that Steve was bringing out. In relationships, think of the body of Christ first, then ourselves as a member of it. So as y'all were growing up, when did you first really kind of reconcile, like, I'm a member of this church. I'm a member of this body. Not I, necessarily Crossroads, but, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the I would say for church. me, I grew up in a church where my dad was an elder. Okay. And so I think from a young age, I recognized that, like, this was family. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if I really even recognize, like, oh, I'm in this body. But I I recognize, like, this is who I'm a part of. Yeah. Like, this is where I am belonging to. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. So I I felt like when I think back on those memories, like, I think I had had an experience in college where I really was like, this is, I'm making my faith my own. Yes. But from a young age, I was like, I know that this is who I belong with. Okay. So. Um, I feel like for me... Nobody in Jonesboro, Arkansas hears this. <laughs> uh, my parents, all five of us went to the same church growing yeah. up. Me and my brother hated going to church and like youth group just was not our vibe, not yeah. our friends. And so my parents, out of like kindness and generosity, were like, 
you guys can go to this other church across town if this like will help your relationship with God. Like mm-hmm. we don't want to, you know, jade you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And so they let me and my brother leave. Mm-hmm. And then while we're at that church, they're like, well, if this is where you want to belong, like you should become members of this church. Yeah. But like, we're still all one family. Yeah, totally. And like when me and my brother became members at that church, we joined a life group with our pastors, like the head pastors of the church hosted like a high school life group, Yeah, which was just really cool. Cause I hadn't seen like a, head pastor hosting like a youth life group and they're like guys like we're not in another life group like we get life from you guys like you guys are our bible study right now like they had other accountability we weren't their accountability but like they were like no like you guys are the church like you guys have the holy spirit in you guys you guys believe in jesus like like this is our like life group like and we love you guys and like you're part of our family and Mm -hmm. that's when i felt like i was a member and not just Mm -hmm. like some kid on the yeah. street that they totally. took in you know yeah like i was like oh i'm family like these people are my family yeah, yeah. and that like changed how i viewed the body of christ okay what about you christopher <clears throat> i mean for me you know it's like i grew up running as far away from god as i could most of my life and then you know it wasn't until like the second time that i was in college that i really kind of understood who god was and what he meant to me personally made it my own but I don't know if I've ever felt like I was part of the body of Christ, probably until I moved to Colorado. You know, and when I moved to Colorado, you know, I was in absence of the body, you know, and I knew that the church that I had been going to kind of like mentally had sent me out like, okay, go find the most hurt and beat up church and then serve. You know, because I've always been a servant, so I've always looked for places to serve. And so it wasn't really until I was here that I really kind of started putting together, like, the body of Christ. And I can give you an example. Like, you know, when I knew that I wanted to marry Elaine, I knew that I had to get out of debt. Like, I didn't want to marry with I had a bunch of debt from my father's death and his chemo treatments and, you know, car payments and just had debt. And so I just lived on... Like, I don't know, like a buck fifty a month, you know? Yep. But the people who were property managers at the church, they would bring me all the food or tell their employees to bring all the food that was left from the people who were in their homes when they left, bring the food to me. Mm-hmm. You know, because there were times when I would be feeding my cat his food, and I would be like, that shrimp really looks good, <laughs> you know? <laughs> But I was able to, like, clear out so much debt so quickly. And then sometimes just even the body of Christ, like, I'd be on the phone with the debt collection. If you pay us this much right now, we'll remove this much off your debt bill. You know, wow. some of the interest payments. Mm-hmm. And so then there were members of this church that I could go to and be like, hey, here's the deal. And then they would just write me a check That's so nice. that I could make that payment That's then. Beautiful. And then some of them, like, almost fell over backwards when I came back to them with a check to reimburse them for what mm-hmm. they had loaned me, mm-hmm. you know, because I was like, I'm going to get clean on debts. And so that was kind of like when I was really understanding the body of Christ, yeah. you know, and then, you know, then it advanced more into like the spiritual realm of like, man, like, oh, one of my kids is sick. I'm sending it out. Like I want everybody praying, mm-hmm. you know, just even for these minor sicknesses to their, ch- their life, you know, like yeah. I don't want to do this solitary you know, if we're under attack, if we have sickness, if we have an injury, boom, let everybody know. Yeah. And so the being in the body, being a servant and thinking of the body first, that always came easy. Like, I'm mm-hmm. here to serve. I'm here to, what do you yeah. need done? You know, sometimes I do it with an attitude mm-hmm. because maybe you're coming to me and, oh, no, like, we're, we're falling apart. And, and I'm like, this is now my urgency. <laughs> and I'm a little gruntled. 
grumpy about it. But I, I get the job done. I'm yeah. going to stick until the job's done. Yeah. So the body of Christ, do we think of it first and then think of ourselves? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Acts 2, 42 47. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Relational so was unity. I. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's just because that was like drilled into us. In yeah, college. that was like yeah. our college ministry scene verse. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's like, the, and they share all things in common. Like it's yes. not like your Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. Like it's like all things are in common with yeah. the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. So it's like, just go read that. Honestly, I'm not going to explain it. Go ask God for vision on that. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, but I mean, there is, it's like, but when we put that relationship of the church body first of like, is there somebody in our church body hurting? Is there someone, you know, and then, I mean, immediately in our culture today, it's like, oh no, well, I don't have time. And oh, you know, I really don't want them over for dinner. You know, we're not thinking of the body first. We're thinking of ourselves because that's what culture is programming, which is actually stealing life from us because we're thinking like, oh, I get to be alone and I get to just be with my family and I have to include anybody else. But it's really depriving us of knowing a deeper essence of life. Yeah, it, like that would be a, a depriviness of knowing other image bearers of God yep. that show us parts of his mm-hmm. personality or just different yeah. sides of his face that we don't we wouldn't get to experience yeah. otherwise. I think yep. that's a good point. Well, yeah. like Jesus lived interrupted. Yeah. And like yeah, I had that good. revelation my senior year of college and I was like, Jesus, like you can interrupt me and I want to live like if someone asked me for something yeah. like I, I want it to become my thing. Yeah. Right. Like if they need a ride or something, like, p- like tell me, like I'll go yeah. pick them up. Like, yeah. cause he lived it, like the little children came to him and when the woman touched his robe, like they, you know, he stopped and said, yeah. who needs me? And yeah. like, like would take time to heal people. And so it's like, he lived with a schedule where he was willing to be interrupted. So right. I think we should too. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to shout out Lauren cause she actually did that last night. Yeah. And there was someone who called her and she like just literally turned off the TV. We were like watching a show. She's like, be right back. And then went and talked with her friend who mm-hmm. needed her. And yeah. that was just like, that is not the first time I've seen her do that. Yeah. So it's living interrupted and being willing to be interrupted is really powerful yeah. because Lauren's done it multiple times and it has shown the people that are calling and asking yeah. like for her presence or her help or her yeah. prayer. It shows them that they are valued mm-hmm. the way that God values them. Absolutely. And it's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when you think so about well it, done, Lauren. Yeah. Well done. And I mean, when you think about it, it all ties into, are we living that gospel message? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, if Jesus is willing to give everything up for us, then we should be willing to give everything up for others, yeah. you know. And we're not talking about an abusive thing, but we're talking about, like, you know, are we really allowing the relationship we have with God to fuel us, to empower us, so that we may be such a reflection of him to others? Mm-hmm. And that is unity. Can yeah. I say a verse? You go for it. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. John 15, 13. Yeah. And so there you go. And so go ahead. No. Well, I was going to say before you wrap up, yeah. I know that's where you're going. That's where I'm going. What's everyone's challenge to the, our listeners? To our challenge to our listeners is to really just reflect upon your relationships. Yeah. There is nothing that God cannot restore, redeem, and bring value to. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm walking proof of it. Amen. And I, I love to go back to the, you know, the tarnished person that I was so many times, like a dog back to his vomit. I'm that guy, <laughs> you know, but what I'm saying is think about it, yeah. put it in a process, because I feel like many people out there are being held captive by the enemy 
through dysfunctional relationships. Yeah. And that could yeah. be your parents. It could be your siblings. It could be a friend who hurt you. It could be a church body who hurt you. Yeah. And I'm not saying the hurt's not there. Right. But you have to believe that God can bring relational unity to that. And then you can move forward in a deeper relationship with him and bring healing to somebody else. So your challenge is to think about your relationships. Examine them. Examine them. And then trust that God can bring order and unity to them. And seek to actively partner with him Mm -hmm. to do so. Absolutely. It's not just a passive, well, well, God, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it. But it's, <laughs> God, how can I partner with you? What do? What can I change? Do I have lies that I need to let go yep. of? Mm-hmm. Do I need to forgive again or more? Yep. Yes, <laughs> sometimes it's more. It's, it's, a, it's an active partnership with God because he loves to partner with us. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Good challenge, right. Chris. Thank you so much for tuning in to this Root Issues. If you ever need to reach out and touch us, you can reach us at rootissues at ccaspen.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a blessed week. And until next time, dig into the relationship of the gospel and God. Keeps spinning round. I'm here traveling down this long and winding road. Seasons come and seasons go. They take me high, then leave me low. But I'm still standing on the only rock I know. You're my corner.